Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The law is useless. It is quite possible that someone might come to that conclusion when they have conversations with Lutherans. Have you thought about that before? You know that it is not true that we Lutherans consider the law to be useless. But people might have that belief. It may be because they think we put too much emphasis on the gospel. Some might even say all we want to talk about is the gospel. Someone who reads about Martin Luther might come to the same conclusion as they would when they interact with modern-day Lutherans, that the law was useless to him. But that is not true about Martin Luther either. The law is useful because it is given by God. It places us in front of a mirror, as it were, and reflects who we are. It doesn't hide anything. Today, we celebrate the Reformation. We remember Martin Luther and his fearlessness and tirelessness for his discovery of what God had already revealed in the scriptures, that we are saved from God's wrath and judgment by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. It was a rediscovery and not a discovery because it was always there. God had not changed anything, but religious experts had obscured it, and the people could not see a way out of God's wrath. And Luther himself did not see a way out, even though he had become a monk and studied the scriptures continually for a long time. No matter what he did, he still felt guilty. But the relief he was seeking was in plain sight. And then one day, he discovered the gospel. But really, it was a rediscovery. I think about those explorers who discovered countries and peoples and became famous, even though the people were already living in those places. But their rediscoveries brought attention to the peoples of those nations that led to both good and bad things happening to them. Martin Luther's rediscovery of the gospel has brought comfort and peace to billions of people over the centuries. He did everything he could to make sure that it did not become obscure again so that people would not get confused about the righteousness of God. That righteousness is God's mercy and love for all people. We give thanks to God for Martin Luther. But Martin Luther's discovery or rediscovery of the mercy of God in the midst of humanity's sinfulness had been revealed to the Apostle Paul by Jesus Christ about 1,500 years earlier. God was, is, and will be forever the same. He doesn't change. He is going to make sure that the gospel continues to be proclaimed to turn people's hearts back to him. Paul who earlier in his life as a Pharisee had completely opposed Christianity, not just by arguing against it, but by physically leading a bloody resistance against it, had been forcefully converted by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Jesus would not allow him to continue to fight against Christians and therefore against he himself anymore. He vowed to make Paul a chosen instrument of his to proclaim the gospel among the Gentiles. 
through God's work in him, he worked tirelessly, even in the face of persecution and imprisonment, to spread the gospel. He said he was not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. He suffered much for it. But he would not give up telling people about God's righteousness, that is, his love and mercy for them. Now, long before Paul's encounter with the risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ, God had revealed his mercy and love to Moses on Mount Sinai before he gave him the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone. God said about himself on that occasion, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. God is gracious and merciful. Yet God's mercy would not be necessary if there was no law to know what it means to go against the will of God. Without the law, the gospel would just be an empty promise. So the law is not useless. It shows why the righteousness of God, God's mercy, is necessary. It drives us to receive, to receive God's mercy in faith. Paul writes, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Those who are under the law that Paul refers to were the Israelites on their way to freedom from slavery. They received it in written form and orally as well through Moses. If they read the law honestly, their mouths would be silenced because they would not be able to argue with what is said about them. They often resisted what he said about them because he said they were utterly sinful. He did not allow them to make excuses or put the blame on someone else or on circumstances beyond their control. You may be thinking, it was really for the Israelites alone then, since they and their descendants were the ones who received the law directly and is therefore only applicable to them. If such were the case, then you are off the hook. But you know that is not the case. The law is written on your heart, on my heart, on the heart of every person in the world. No one has to tell you, for example, that it is wrong to steal. Anyone who wants to take something that does not belong to them is careful that they don't get caught. People who bear false witness against others know it is wrong, even if they do it anyway. We do not need to have a written document to know that certain things are wrong, and we do not need a written document to know that it is good to be helpful to your neighbor. God had written it on everyone's heart before he wrote it on the tablets of stone. Now we know that prosecutors take cases to court all the time. I didn't realize until recently that a major reason they might not take a case to trial is when they are not sure they will win. In the eyes of those who are not in the legal profession, it may seem obvious that they should take all cases to court. I never thought winning would factor in at all at their decisions to take cases to trial. 
still, they are not always successful when they bring cases to court. They win most, but they lose some. There is only one whose wins are and will continue to be 100%. He doesn't have to debate whether or not the person who is charged with doing something wrong will turn out to be not guilty. He has an ironclad law that holds everybody guilty all the time. That person is God. The law that he has written out clearly in the scriptures and the law that he has engraved on all people's hearts will always find people guilty without exception. God is a judge. All are under trial. The law is a perfect prosecutor. Therefore, every mouth is stopped and the whole world is held accountable to God. No appeals will reverse the verdict. The only way out is the righteousness of God, his mercy and love that he has provided in Jesus Christ. Last week, I asked my group in the African Youth Ministry Bible class what things they were afraid of. We had just read and discussed the arrest of Jesus in the garden during which Peter cut the ear of the high priest's servant. Prior to that, Jesus had told the disciples that he will be going to a place that none of them could follow right away. Lord, why can't I follow now? I will dare down my life for you. Jesus told him that before the rooster crows, he would deny him three times. When Jesus was taken to the high priest, Peter did deny him exactly three times. I asked the kids why Peter denied Jesus. They said he was afraid that he too would be arrested and jailed or killed. Then I asked them about the things they were afraid of. One said cobra, another said black mamba, a third said lion, a fourth said tiger. Then I asked them, other than animals, what are you afraid of? One said the darkness, another dying. Then to my surprise, another one raised up a hand and said, God. So I asked her why she was afraid of God. She says she was afraid that she would do something bad and God would punish her, maybe even kill her. She seemed quite a bit troubled about that. I asked her if she thought she could ever stop doing bad things. She didn't think so. So I asked her if she thought somebody could help her, help her to have peace with God as a result of what we are learning about Jesus. She said, ah, Jesus. I replied, you are right. All that was happening to Jesus that will lead to him being nailed to the cross and die and rise again is for all of us who believe in him. He has declared us to be not guilty of all the bad actions and thinking by his blood, and he has given us peace with God. That is the righteousness of God. It is God's mercy found in Jesus Christ. By the works of the law, we all fall short of his glory. Indeed, we lack his glory. We become painfully aware that we cannot do anything in and of ourselves or even by checking off what we have been able to do to please God. But what we have not been able to do for ourselves, God has done for us in his mercy. As human beings who are used to doing things to earn something, we tend to bring that same idea when it comes to God's righteousness. But that is impossible for us to do. 
We simply need to rest in his righteousness, his mercy for us. If God were to act according to how he is righteous in himself, it would be a cause of despair for us because no one can attain his righteousness. No one can be as good as God. In his mercy, on account of Christ, he has acquitted you of any guilt, and you are his own. The righteousness of God works the same for everybody. His mercy is for everybody. No one person deserves it more than another, and no one person needs it more than another. Everybody needs it equally. Indeed, nobody deserves his righteousness at all, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All we deserve is his wrath. But because of Jesus, by faith in him, and what he has done by his death and resurrection, what the law reveals about us is covered. Some may reject the work of Jesus. By doing so, they reject the righteousness of God. God is not going to change. What he has accomplished once and for all still stands. He is not going to do anything different. Brothers and sisters, this is it. And it's a good thing. Imagine God decides to treat different people differently. What would that do to you? Where would you stand? Your mind may be filled with doubt if you cannot be certain of that one eternal merciful action that he has accomplished for you. All the penalties we deserve have been fully paid for by Jesus. We have no debt because the debt has been fully taken care of. It took the precious blood of Jesus and his innocent suffering and death to accomplish this. It is a sacrifice of atonement, and it is for you. Brothers and sisters, rest and have peace in the righteousness of God. Amen.